Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. My name is Mark and uh, to all that are visitors, if you're family, if you're new to the life of the church, I have the privilege of being a part of this leadership team and have the privilege of leading in this team and it's a great, great privilege. We are um, continuing with the series. I feel like I'm out in the moon. Can you bring me back. <laughs> I want to come back. I want to come back. We've had an amazing weekend. Um, as a leadership team, once a year, we have the privilege of going away. And um, those folks who have, are part of the eldership team um, take time off their work and their jobs and time out. And we go and trust God to speak clearly, to give us strategies so we would hear Him clearly. Um, and so we've been away for two days as a leadership team, which is amazing and has many amazing moments. There are those, this is what we do moments. So that's the series we're in. One of those things that this is what we do is music comes on and there's a certain individual in our team who starts to move, something like this. Just Anyone know who that might be? Just he's far smoother though. His movement is just, Wayne, actually, can't you come and show them just... Just a little bit, man. I'm try- this is a much better example. I'm wrecking the example. Just a little one. A small one. Just, I'm just trying to show them a picture of what it's like. In the kitchen. So this is the scene. Just music comes on in the background. There's nothing. No one's dancing. We're making food. We're just doing community. And the music comes on. And Wayne just starts doing this. I'm going to have to be rededicated today. Yeah. Just a little one. No, we can't have music. We can. Oh, oh. <laughs> so this is really what we do when we go. When your leaders are away, trusting God to speak, Wayne starts dancing, and then it's a problem. There were also other funny moments as you're doing community together. And uh, at dinner last night, after a long day, hours and hours working and asking and dreaming, Gabe came up to the dining room table, and he approached it gently, saw long brunette hair and his wife, and he sat there, started stroking her back gently, just like this, only for her to turn around and say, what are you doing? Because it was my wife and not his. (laughs) And we were all around the table. You have never seen Gabe blush. He literally apologized for about 10 minutes. And, um, and uh, it makes community to a whole new level. It takes it to a whole new level. It um, really does. It's helpful. But um, we've had an amazing time. God is speaking, leading, putting courage in his leaders. I, I want to honor these guys. They take time off from their work. They take leave to go and really dream for this community, to pray for this community, to serve this community. They take nights out. This week was linked on Tuesday night, leaders meeting Thursday night, and uh, I really do honor these guys, a privilege to do life with them, and, um, and we really are grateful to God for these moments. And then, um, you, you know it's been a big week, if you're part of the life of the church, it's been a big week for the church on many fronts. I, I absolutely love the baby dedications. I think um, this picture, not just the age, God adding young people to the church, but the colors, the life, the different stories, the backgrounds, the different ages, is to me, church, is to me a sign and wonder, and um, we've got to fight to make sure that God keeps taking our hearts bigger, keeps growing us, keeps calling us wider to more and more and more, and I'm very grateful to that. 
But this week, someone asked me, uh, even as the eldest time, we were away, we we're dreaming, and someone said to me, Mark, what's your greatest expression of church? Is it just a couple good songs, a really good announcer with legs going all over the place, and then a good word, solid word, God speaking, great coffee, go home. Is that church? I said, probably my greatest expression of church and my greatest church service I have been in for many years happened here on Wednesday at a funeral. And Mark, I didn't expect to see you here today when I stood up. And, um, and I said some stuff at your wife's funeral on Wednesday that this is your family and I want to say it again. We honor you the way you've loved, Andrea. I had the privilege of doing their wedding two years ago. And at that time, this young man knew his wife had lupus. He knew the diagnoses were bad. He knew she was in hospital all the time. And he said, this is my wife. I'm going to love her. And as your family, we say thank you for loving her the way you did. And... Uh, And uh, what you've taught me in two years of your marriage has enriched my life, has challenged me, and will continue to challenge us. And thank you. We will continue to walk with you and love you, but I'm so grateful that you are part of this house. And I'm really grateful that you loved our friend, Andrea. And uh, there's a picture. I've got many pictures from this last couple of weeks. It's been a big couple of weeks, but one of them is Mark holding Andrea's hand in the hospital. I took a photo. It's on my phone. I look at it often, and I'm very grateful. Uh, Trevor, just amazing to have you with us this morning. Mark's father from Australia, amazing to have you with us. Can we just put those photos back up? I want to give you a picture of what I think church looks like, and even this is what we do. That setup on the left there was the funeral on Wednesday, provided for by this community. Just family and friends and some people who don't even know them who said, I want to be a part of this because this is my family. This is my house. I walked outside after the funeral and I had a peek and there was just food everywhere. I thought, Lord, wh wh where's this from? Then I walked into the back room and there were two more tables of food that we didn't even get to. They just kept bringing food out. We ended up setting it into an NPO work with young kids in Danoon on Friday morning. Tables of food. And then that cake on the right, I looked at it and I didn't know who made it and I found out actually it's Jen Commermont. Where's Jen? I thought, I didn't even know she could make cakes. I'm, I'm just saying I didn't know that because I haven't tasted well, in four years of friendship. But that's fine. <laughs> um, but there were so many cakes. That cake's like this high. There's another, just a couple slides. I mean, just people pour around that food on the left. was just one of the tables of food that went, we were able to give away. Why is this important to me? Because we are talking about a God who is generous. And, and God says, what I need, I need signs and wonders who can show this world what I am like. What is the role of the church? It's not to have great meetings. The role of the church is to allow the word of God to get so deep inside of us that we become signs to the world that see the wonder of God. And I'm telling you, Wednesday, as a father raised his hand in worship, as a family stood in unity, glorifying God, as a life was celebrated, and as a community gathered around in generous love and generous catering and, and, and generosity, the king gets all the glory. 
I'm so grateful to that, and I'm so proud to be a part of this community at so many levels. There were one or two, one young lady who works in the city. She came to me on Sunday after I spoke about Andrea. She said, I, I don't know this family, but can I come and can I be here? I said, yeah, you can come help serve. And she came, and while we were in the funeral, she helped serve and set up. I'm going, I thank you, God, for signs and wonders that bring you glory. Because this is what we do. This is, not just, this is what we do. is not just a clever name for a preaching series. It's who we are, because I have a father. You know what? And, and if you're visiting us today, you're arriving on the third week of a series on generosity. And I'm so grateful that we get to talk about it because actually the issue is who is God? Christianity is not about who are we and what can God do for us. That's such a small level of Christianity. It's such a low expectation of a glorious God. Christianity about is who is God and what is he calling me to be like? Because he's told me, I'm made in his image. He's pouring his word into me. He says, I want you to be like me. And what the series gets to, and when we preach the word, it gets to, it gets deep inside my soul, because deep inside my soul, outside of a knowledge that I'm a son of the living God, I live as a survivor going, my job is to take. I'm a taker. I take from my parents, I take from my friends, I take from my work, I take from my boss, and when he can't give me enough to take, and someone else will give me more, I'll take, and that's the world we live in. But the Bible reveals a father who is different, a generous father who was so generous that before we'd even done the things that he needed to help us through, he said, I'm going to give my son in fullness. Not just let him take a bit of a beating, that his blood would be poured out. For God so loved the world that he gave. When we, when we, go to, when we get angry with people who are different to us for whatever reason, you've got to remember that there's a father who gave his blood, his son, when you, you get stuck in your prejudices and your smallnesses, you remember that God says, actually, God gave his son. He gave. And he says, because I am a giver, I want you to trust that I am a giver. And I want you to become a giver because when you become a giver, you become like me. Please don't get home. This is not just about money. We've been talking about the heart for two weeks. This is about the person who says, actually, I don't have much to give, but I can take leave to come and serve a family at a funeral. Thank you, Jesus. Sign and wonder. God gets all the glory. Someone else says, actually, what I'll do, I can come and I can, there's going to be a parking issue, so I'm going to come and work in the car park on one of the hottest days of the year. Sign and wonder. Sign and wonder. Another, other, another man saying, hey, hey doesn't, don't Andrew and you just need to get away for a few days? I'll be a part of that. Someone else saying, actually, I can help in this way. I'm going, God, you are being revealed in your signs and wonders. And I'm so grateful to be a part of that story that brings you all the glory. And we've been preaching for weeks, but this is a scripture. And if you haven't missed out, uh, just to give you context, why do we preach? Because the Bible says, where my people don't have knowledge, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. They, they don't get in trouble. They perish. And we've got to teach. We've got to speak. I've, I, say, I used the example last week. So I've got three boys. They are growing up in a very sexualized world. And by the ages of four, seven, and eight, their friends are already having discussions. I wasn't happening when I was 15 or 16. I was still thinking about cricket bala and soccer bala and rugby bala, according to Robbie Vessels. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just, I just wasn't having those conversations. And neither were you. 
And yet, I'm forced and I'm pulled because the world is dictating the pace at which they are wanting to sexualize our children. I have to teach them who God is. I have to teach them that he will provide their every desire because he's the God of pleasure. We were made in his pleasure. And one day, God will give them a gift called a wife for which that sexuality desire is designed for. And if they will hold on and if they will trust him, one day the fullness of that expression will be released to them because there is a good father in heaven who loves them. But if they lack that trust, then they'll lack the story and they'll kick into a worldly system that looks different. God says, I want my children to know I am generous, I am kind. Proverbs 11 verse 24 says this, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It doesn't say the bank balance of the stingy will get smaller and smaller. It doesn't say that. It's like some of us are like, I'm generous, let their bank balance get smaller. It's not about their bank balance. It says their world, their influence, their impact. See, I start meeting Andrew's friends, more and more of them, at, at a funeral, and I start hearing about the generosity of a woman for the last four years who has been sick, and yet all she's done is work for others. She gave her last great energy to one of her greatest friends to make sure that her, her wedding was amazing. Hey, Mark, she poured it out. She got out of hospital. She fought to get out of hospital and off a hospital bed so that she could get out of bed, get dressed to her best, and go and serve her friend, and then went straight back to hospital. Why? Because the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger because I see God more. And I want to be a part of that story, and I want to put that story in my children, but I can't put that story in my children by reading about stories from a book that I don't believe. And I can't put that story in my children by not becoming that person. And the journey is difficult because inside of me is a selfish, stingy individual who wants to break back into smallness. I don't like people in my world. I want it to be all about me. And God says, I want to bring you out of the shadows. I want to reveal you to the world that the sign and wonder you are. And when you are revealed, I get all the glory. It's got nothing to do with man getting the glory. It's got nothing to do with us and our story. Actually, we, we love to make the gospel. It's, it's all about me. It's actually about a father who is jealous for your love. He's jealous for your affections. He's jealous for your time. And he said, I'm going to pay the highest price because I want you close. I feel like I came out the blocks quite big there. Are you guys all right? <laughs> I feel like uh, <laughs> everyone stay calm. We're okay. Can we put up that God supplies picture, that image, please? And this was an image I put before you the last week, and I just, I feel like it's a picture we've got to work through, because in all of our lives, there is this journeying, and, and I see young people here, I see older people here, I see people in, in, in stories of life and business of life, I see people with young kids, and I know it's a tough time of life, I'm with you, we're there. And, um, but there's two different systems. The one is the system of the world, and we are consumers, we are takers, so, so, so what happens, and, and, and 1 Corinthians 9 says, actually, God gives and he gives and he gives bread to eat and seed to the sower. That's what the Bible says. It says everything we are given, from our time, our talents, our treasures, all part of them, there is seed in there for sowing and there is bread for eating. Now we need to eat. 
We've got to put kids through school. We've got to pay for fuel. It doesn't just arrive. I was horrified to know my dad actually had to pay for that stuff. I used to think it was just there. Like that thing came with like an infinite source of something. And, and it would just run. And then I had to start paying. And the first car that I had was a 5,000. No, the first car was a Ford Escort 1.3. And then I got upgraded to a very rusty Ford Escort 3-liter Cortina. And I thought, I had made it. I could dice tow trucks. Engine does this. The only problem, every time the engine did this, I just saw the petrol tank do this. Woo. It's like, something's wrong. It's broken. Woo. And you realize, flip, someone actually paid for that thing. And all of a sudden you go, gosh. And there's the cycle we kick and we consumers. And then what happens once we've consumed it all? Because a farmer knows I can't just eat all the profits. A farmer knows even if there is a drought right now, I keep working the soil. A farmer knows that if I, if I sow sparingly, I won't reap a story. There'll be no story. My parents farmed for a number of years. Citrus. Citrus, you plant, and seven years later, you get a harvest. Seven years. Seven years of standing there driving in your uh, Toyota bucky around your farm, just checking. Still another five years. <laughs> Next morning, you're out? Yep. Still another four years. Sometimes life is like that. Our time, our talents, our treasure, we sown to be, we go, wow, it seems like a long time away. Let me talk to this crowd. Parenting can feel like that sometimes. It can. And yet if we kick into this system, which is a world system, of we consume, we lack, we end up in a place of fear. So I'm not going to have more to consume. I've got no more resource. There's no more supply. That supply is cut off. We fear. And then we start living lives out of fear. I've got to work harder. I have to change my job, not because God has the space for me to move into to impact people. I have to change my job because I fear that I cannot support my consumer habit. That's the world we live in. And God says there's a whole other system. This system is, to me, a survivor system. This system is a system that we get pulled into and we cannot kick out of. On the other side, there's a sonship system. As God says, I'm not just father to the church. I'm father to you. And I want to pull you into my system. And in this system, we become like him. We become givers of our time, talents, and treasure. We become givers. And in becoming givers, our world becomes like his, bigger and bigger. And in that system, a God dynamic happens. In this system, we consume, obviously it goes, and we lack, and we go to the system again. In this system, we become like God, we get pulled into his story, and God does miraculous things like multiply and provide and take care of things we never knew we needed. And then what happens is we journey this process with God and we see the favor of God in our stories and we understand his stories. Even if times are tough, God impacts and our hearts begin to see him more and our faith grows and we grow in our impact and our world gets bigger and bigger rather than smaller and smaller. At the very essence of salvation is a root word, yasa, which means a spacious place. Salvation is not a whole bunch of no's. Salvation is a spacious place. First and foremost, in the hearts of God's people. And uh, God is dealing with us through many sins, but central to this story and kicking into that cycle is believing God. Is believing God. On the very first week, three weeks ago, we put a tug of war rope up here. The same tug of war rope that hurt many a man at the men's camp. The same one. Some guys were like looking at it, like flinching. 
But in the middle of that tag of raw rope, there's a line. And on this side, you can put truth that God is a giver. You can put truth that God will provide. And those are big, big, strong men. They're like the Western Province front row. They just stand there. The enemy says, okay, I'll see your Western Province front row. And he puts seven different front rows, even though they're under nines. But eventually, all 21 of them can pull the three big guys off their feet. The enemy doesn't play by the rules for the, when it comes to the heart. He says, I load the bases with recession. I load the bases with unbelief. I load the bases with pressures on your children. I load the bases with extra costs. I load the bases with Donald Trump at the head, head of America and bringing fear to everyone. I load the bases with increased prices for petrol. I load the bases with increased, and our hearts get smaller and smaller. And the enemy goes, woof. And the only way to break this tension, because I'm telling you, we live with it. We're not called to live with the tension. We're called to believe the word of God. And the word of God comes says, I'm not going to change every circumstance, but I'm going to cut the tension like a two-edged sword, and I'm going to bring freedom and spaciousness so your heart can grow into space. And I go, wow, there's my father. Does it mean there are no bills at the end of the month? No, they're still there. It's an amazing thing. They still come. But I'm not on the 23rd going, ooh, checking my internet banking seven times a day. And then by the 24th, up to 12 times a day. I would love to get the stats from those banking apps. If anyone can get them, please get them for me. Of usage of banking apps. Because I'm telling you, every time we go, just check. Whoa, it's still there. Awesome. Love you, God. And God says, now I want you free from that. I want you into a bigger story. And last week, I ended with six points. Just why we give to the local church. Why that is part of our giving. It's not the everything of our giving. It is part of this is what we do because we are the sons of the living God. It's part of it. And I gave six reasons for that. I'm not going to go through them again for time reasons. But I want to mention one amazing one. And the last one that we said, and I was rushing through it, so I want to jump back in there. I said, we, this is what we do. We give to the local church because God, because we give because your money can and will save lives. So it's that real. And it goes like this. Jesus is walking, and there's a little guy, a little guy, kind of like me at school. A little guy, he can't see. His name's Zacchaeus. He's just a short little guy. He can't see Jesus. There's too many people. There's too much noise. There's too much of a crowd. There are too many other things taking his attention. So he looks around for something that he can see Jesus. He could climb on someone's shoulders, but everyone's going, get off. I want to see him. So he looks for something. What does he see? He's a tree, a tree that someone years before planted, a tree that someone years before took time and edges said, this would be a great place for a tree. I don't know who will ever need to climb this tree, but I'm going to plant this tree. I'm going to water this tree. I'm going to give attention to this tree. I'm going to make sure no one rips this tree out of the ground. And out grows a tree. Year one, year two, chasing his kids away from that tree. No, protect the tree. Tree grows up. So that one day, a little man named Zacchaeus can climb a tree to see the living God. I will live and die for that. To me, the local church is just a tree. It's just a tree that people can climb. It's a tree that people on their seeking journey still in our nation end up landing at on their journey. And they come in broken and bruised through that door. 
And yes, it's your love. And yes, it's a whole bunch of things. But they come here because what's in their seeking journeys, they think, I've got to seek out this God thing. And they'll go on a whole bunch of other journeys. And they'll try a whole bunch of other trees, like other religions, other gods who won't speak back to them, who won't help them. They'll try other things like serving themselves and make myself God. They'll try a whole bunch of things like, let me give every pleasure and desire in my heart a full go. And I'm telling you, on that journey, they will still come back to who is this Jesus? And how do I see him? And imagine there was no tree for Zacchaeus. Why do I give to the local church? Not because the Bible mandates and there's this law and there's this whole thing. Why do I give? Because I want to be a part of planting trees so that Zacchaeus can keep seeing Jesus. So that these young kids in their generation and their time, there are still trees that people are able to climb and there won't be foreign elements that no one goes, what is that? The church can never become something like, what is that? No, that is a tree helpful for you to see Jesus. Is that a helpful image? Is that, to me, it's just easy. It's, it's like everything we do, guys, is about more people finding God and people going on journeys to know Him more. Everything we do. Why do we put energy and effort into coffee? Why? Because we'd love you to stay a little bit longer because what you might find out, there are people's stories there who you are meant to interact with and their stories will bring you courage and life. It's got nothing to do with how good our coffee is. Nothing. We work really hard to put good coffee on. Why? Because we want to host you well. Because who is God? He's a father who has many rooms. He says, I want you to become a sign and wonder in everything you do. Some of you laughed because you saw the bathrooms, the men's bathrooms. And there's a 10 points line and there's a 50 points line. You thought, that's crazy at church. You know who I think God is? I think God is full of joy. And some people walk into church and they're sucking lemons, but because they've been sucking lemons, they need to go to the bathroom. So they go to the bathroom and someone has put a target in the toilet and they go, that's funny. And joy comes into their sucking lemon story and God gets revealed. That's the grand strategy. (laughs) Okay, that wasn't in my notes. Um, But here's what it is. Changed lives have to change lives. God says, you've received so much, now give. It's not a suggestion. It's a call to respond to him. And I really am still not getting to where I need to get to, so I've got to move forward. And 2 Corinthians 9, last week we spoke, and it goes like this. I want to read it again. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. It's, it's like, why are we preaching this series? Why do I teach my kids about sexuality? Because I want them to be good husbands one day. It's not because I'll be embarrassed if they become this licentious, naughty pastor's kids. It's not the motivation of my heart. It's so that one day, at their wedding day, regardless of their wife's journey, they can stand because their father taught them about the father who said, one day you're going to give the one thing that you're designed to give to one person. I want you to give it to them. It's a perfect ideal, I know, but it's worth fighting for. And in the same way, why would I teach the church about how to become a giver in a world that says live for yourself? Why? Because in the journey, we are called to be signs and wonders who bring glory to God. And we feel his favor. 
We feel his favor. At his wedding, I use the quote of Eric Little who says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I'm a giver, I feel his pleasure. I've, I've never regretted it. Whether it's time, whether it's energy, resources, whatever it is, sometimes your, your best giving is investing in the soil and some of you need to spend hours in the word. You are giving. So then. But I need to speak about a few things. So what do we do? How do we do this? Because people are asking me like, Mark, you keep telling us about the heart. You so love the heart. How? <laughs> and I know. The Bible says teach them how to obey. Not just what it looks like to obey. The Bible says teach them how to obey. So part of a teacher's duty, I would say this. First and foremost, we give gratefully. Meaning that we know that God is our source. We know that God is the ultimate owner of all of it anyway. God doesn't own 10% of my income or 15 or whatever your idea of that number is. God owes my everything. He owns everything. It's his. My children are his. You know that? My house is his. My, my energy is his. Because the life I'm going to live with them is eternity. It's as long as that rope is, that tug of all rope, and the life on earth is only this long. Why not spend this well? People talk about a, a misspent youth. I want to spend my life well. I want to spend it. I want to get to the end. I've got so much resources left. If only I'd given to people. And I want to get in there. Wow, that was big, but I'm coming home, Jesus. Was that a little real for you guys? It's okay. We're okay. And it's a way in my gratitude and in my giving, I, I am saying thank you. Secondly, we give consistently. And Proverbs 3 says this, verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be full to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. This is either a lie or it's God. Those are your choices. There's a rope or you allow the truth of the word of God to come and cut the tension. Those are your choices. My job is to present them to you. And to tell you that on the other side of generosity is a father who is incredibly kind. And what's amazing about why do we give consistently is because he is a consistent giver. The Bible says, wake up every morning his mercies on you. It doesn't say, when God wakes up on the lacquer side of bed in heaven, then his mercies on you. But when he wakes up grumpy, then there's no more mercies for you. Because then I'm working a grumpy, moody God who is inconsistent in his character and nature. But that isn't who God is. God is consistent and kind in his nature. And he calls us as signs and wonders to be those consistent, kind people who honor him with the first fruits of their crops. So how does this look in terms of consistency? And Paul helps us, and I won't be able to go through all the scriptures, but the first fruits is, is that comes first. For me, I, don't, I do EFT. I've done it since I was 21 years old and started working for Unilever. Earned a salary. I thought, this is, I have made it to heaven. Then I had to process, actually, I never had to actually work out that God called me to be a giver until I actually had something to give. It got awkward. You know those awkward moments? Like, I'm going to be the most generous oak in the world. 15 at youth. I'm going to be that guy. Then you get your first salary, like, ooh, ooh, who was that kid? And God says, actually, every month, my wife and I, we've done it since we got married, and I've done it since I was 21 years old. I go, it's the first thing I do. I make an EFT payment. I give it away. Why? Because I'm not at the center of it. I love giving to the church because I'm being generous, but I don't have to be the center of it. 
And I, and, and I did this for 10 years while I was working before I was in the marketplace. And then I've done it since I've been in the local church. And we give how much, well, we'll talk about this, this I'll talk about the how much now, but the where to, it is to the local church. It's the storehouse. Are you fed here? If you're not fed, well, get in a family where you are fed. Get in with a family where you're fought for. Get in with a family where you're growing. Get in with a family where your spirit and your soul are refreshed. And if this isn't that family and you feel like it's not a good investment, find one that is. Because the Bible says, those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord, plant them, will flourish. I want you to flourish. And if you can't flourish here, please find a church where you can. It's my greatest. I don't care about church brands. I love Hillsong, I love Josh Jen, I love uh, the Methodist church and the Anglican church. I love them. Why? Because they're part of the kingdom of God, and that's what I'm part of. We just need a name in the building for the postal address and people to say that's my family. It's all part of it. But we get stuck on this thing of the tithe, so let's explain the tithe. And three reasons, and understand, and I would say most, and if you go onto the internet and you search tithing, you will get a whole bunch of stuff that comes out at you. You don't know those people, you don't know their story, you don't know their testimony, and you don't know how stingy they are to their wives. Sorry, did I say that? And, um, and, and um, you just don't know. I mean, you go type, I, I was doing a sex series here, I went and typed in um, sexuality, uh, theology, and I got all sorts of interesting stuff that people come up with from the Bible. You've got to go to the Word and you've got to do your work yourself. 400 years before there was the law, oh, tithing's the law. No, we've just done an eight-week series on Galatians. Please go listen to it. I hate legalism. I don't dislike it. I hate it. I am and I believe in grace. But part of grace is 400 years before the law ever existed, tithing was in. God's leader said, actually, I'm going to give a tenth to the, to the house of the Lord. And then Jesus comes, boom, the law is done. Jesus is here. The new era, the new story. What did Jesus come in and do? He says in Matthew 23, this is Jesus, eh? Oh, Jesus doesn't talk about tithing. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mildew and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So what is he saying? He's saying, no, no, tithing, you're doing all religiously. It's all about your heart and about you. It says, actually, but in the new grace, in the new economy, before Jesus came, I asked you for 10%. In the new story, your life has been bought at a price. And everything you are is pulled into that story. And in the new story, make sure you do justice. Make sure you do it well. Make sure you do mercy. Make sure you do generosity and continue to give a tenth of your story. It's not about a law. You will not be, the problem is to say, well, do tithe and you'll be blessed. It's such a small picture of the gospel. Because there's an implication, don't tithe and you'll be cursed. Which I'm telling you is a load of rubbish. But here's what I want for you and I want for my own story. I want to be blessed. I'll put the stickers everywhere. Hashtag blessed, hashtag blessed. It's not about that. I want the blessing of my father in my life. And when I look at the Bible, the Bible says there is this precedent before the law God gave. It looks like 10% of your income. Just this is what we do. And on top of that, Jesus says, Give. On top of that, pay the people who work for you good salaries, fair wages, better than what's deemed fair. Make sure you look after the people. Be generous to your wife, to your family. And the problem is we, we, we get stuck. It's like, 
the salary is da, da, da. And so we take and we move the comma one. It's like this. It's not about the number. It's about the life of God and blessing. We give, I need to run through a few things. You know, I just want to tell you, we give because of grace, not because of the law. We give because it wasn't those nails that held Jesus on the cross. It wasn't the nails. It was the love of a father. And when we lose that, we lose the gospel. The law doesn't hold me to give. Please don't let it hold you. Please don't do this because the church needs, you saw that this thing was broken. So that church needs bucks because that thing's broken. They need a new, no, don't do that. Rather don't because God will provide for his church. But your heart and my heart needs to be part of a giving story. Couple more things. We give cheerfully. Read the scripture, 2 Corinthians 9. They gave their offering cheerfully and willingly. This is worship. If I jump up and down for hours in worship and I can praise and worship for 24 hours straight, but my heart cannot become a giver, I'm not going on a discipleship journey to be like Jesus. Fourth, we give courageously. And it speaks in Habakkuk into times of turmoil and uncertainty, kind of like times of recession. It speaks, it says, you give your figs, your grapes, your olives, your wheat, your sheep, your cattle. But when we live in fear, we stop giving. We say, well, if I just hold the cattle back and then I do an eco-friendly development and the cattle can pop here. And no, we start getting clever. God says, trust me, I made the sheep, the figs, the cattle. I made all of them and I hold the galaxies in my hands. Will you trust me? Why do we preach on this? Because I want people to live in a larger and larger world of God is great. We give expectantly. Two more. This is the second last one. It says, counting on God's provision. Part of the promise is Luke 6. Jesus saying, given will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. There's a there's, there is a measure of, guys, hate the, I, I'm, a, I'm not, I, I don't believe I'm on this prosperity gospel, but I do believe in a prosperous God who wants prospering for his people. He says, I want you to be blessed. It's not this, don't give and you'll be cursed. That's rubbish. Toss it out, turn the TV off and move on. Read the Bible. But there is a story and God says, it's the one time God says it. Says in Malachi 3 verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and there you may be food in my house, that there may be food in my house. There may be a tree for people to climb on. Might be another way to translate that. Test me in this. This is God saying to your heart and my heart, test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Why, when my kids are given 500 rand from all their friends for a birthday party, why do I go to them, guys, I want you to give 10% away. Some of you are like, yes, you're a heavy father. <laughs> yes, you're like a bado. <laughs> Their hearts are fragile. Their hearts are fragile. There's an enemy who wants their hearts. And unless at a young age they learn that God is a giver and God wants them to be givers. And my one kid, he's like, Dad, I can't wait to get birthday money so I can give it away. Going, thank you, boy, that's amazing. My other kids are like, oh, dad. <laughs> says, you know what I could have done for that 50 bucks? And he's running the numbers. The Excel spreadsheets are happening. He's only eight, but the Excel spreadsheets are, there's macros, it's all happening. I'm going, boy, stop listening to your head. Do you know God? I love God. Has God been good to your family and to you? Yes, God has. Boy, 
Be like him. It's not about 50 more bucks in the church account. And then lastly, and I would, I'd say this to you as encouragement, give to mission. The local church, when the local church starts becoming an entertainer club for Christians, we're in trouble. We don't exist for ourselves. This church does not exist for the partners in this church. This church exists for those who don't know Jesus yet. And we are called to be a strong tree that others can come and climb on to see Jesus. We are called to be lives and stories that bring him glory. We are called to be pulled into that story. Make sure that you are sowing into the mission of God so that Jesus gets all the glory. And when you hold on to that and say, God, with faith, I'm partnering in that, we come together and the kingdom of God gets lifted up and the king gets all the glory. To the wrestlers in this message, keep giving, keep trusting, and keep receiving the grace of God. And if you're struggling with the message, then go to the word yourself. If you need to, I'll sit with you and I'll show you scriptures and I'll show you where to go. But if I'm telling you, if you want to go to a million resources that will amplify a song you want to sing, you'll find it. But if you want to find the Father, you've got to go to his book, his story, and his revelation of himself. Can we stand? I feel like that's been a big morning. Everyone okay? We, we preach the gospel because we love you. We preach the word because it's the greatest gift we could ever give you. And we're called to teach because God says there's a greater story for you to count, to be a part of his story. And so that the smallness of our hearts gets exposed and the bigness of the gospel can come in. And I, I'm going to raise my hands, but if you're saying, hey, I want to, I actually, I, I'd actually love to be known as a generous person. I would love to be known by God as a giver. If you want to be a part of that, maybe you're a businessman, maybe, maybe you're a housewife at this time looking after kids, maybe you're a young person studying with dreams to, to make millions and millions and millions of rands. That's awesome. But if you want to be a part of that story and you want the journey of allowing the bigness of God to come into your heart, will you raise your hands with me? And I'm going to pray for us, if that's okay. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the picture of the feast we have in you, Jesus. The little lives for you. And I pray at this time, I really need to drink water. Hold one second, please. Okay. Lord, I pray at this time, your word would speak. Uh, uh, please, God, let it not be the passion of a preacher. Please. That's just so small. Then the church becomes entertainment, and the more we entertain, the more people sow into your kingdom. It's just a lie. Please, God, allow my heart that defaults to smallness. Allow my heart that defaults to selfishness. Allow my heart that defaults to stingishness to put its trust in you afresh every day. And as you pour out your mercies, please, God, make me more and more like you. Make us like the songs we sing. Oh, to be like you, to give all I have just to know you. We sing those songs all the time here, God. I pray, God, allow our lives to take the steps. I pray for courage this morning. I pray courage for those that God believes. Even the Bible says it's a grace of generosity. I pray the grace of generosity over us. That the kingdom of God would be extended. That you would put dreams inside men and women that their lives would count. In areas of generous justice in this city. In areas of impact. Others' lives who are working for boss and satisfied saying, but I've got more of you. I want you to trust me for more. 
to lead and to break open and to pioneer. I pray, God, do this in, the, in our midst. Your word says, signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the word. And God, if I have preached your word this morning, the truth is signs and wonders will follow because you are not a liar. You are faithful and true. And I pray in my heart and every heart here, let signs and wonders follow. For some, this week, the start is not anything other than becoming generous to your spouse. You want to become a sign and wonder? Start becoming generous to your spouse. You want to become a sign and wonder? Put the steps. Go and, and, and give. Be a giver. Join a missional story of eternal value. And build a tree. So that maybe in one year, two years, maybe your son, you might not know, might climb that tree in a day, a moment of desperation. Or maybe someone you never know will climb a tree of desperation, out of desperation, just to see him. Not to see your generosity or mine. To see Jesus. That lives will be changed, eternity settled, and peace comes into the heart of the weary and the broken so that God gets all the glory. We love you, Jesus. Can we give Jesus a clap this morning? We never do that. Thank you.